You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So, if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode, the 200th episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And today's episode is going to be a little different or very, very different than all because not only are we having a live audience when we're recording this podcast, but we also have three amazing panelists. Both of these, all three of these individuals have been a guest. They have their own single episode in the past and their episodes have been in the top five, all three of them. And the other two, um, so three top five and then the two other top five was with my wife and then a solo episode so just want to give you guys um my wife's episode is like always up there i just people just want to know yeah i don't know side note side note I, austin if you haven't brought your wife to the podcast yet i'm telling you that would it's gonna go crazy uh but super excited for here uh to talk to you guys i'm gonna quickly introduce our guests and let them introduce themselves but then i really want to open this up for some q a from our live live audience so welcome welcome everybody so with us today, we have three amazing guests. We have Emily. Um, Emily is my go-to person when I need clarity on who to bring into the team. She's just an expert at helping individuals find clarity in their career, uh, where they should pursue. And so, um, Emily, how are you? Welcome to the show. Um, how's it going? I am doing awesome. I am so excited to be here in great company with amazing people. It's going awesome. As you said, I help people create fulfilling careers and companies create fulfilling workplaces. I wholeheartedly believe that everyone deserves to fill a purpose and not just a seat. So I am very excited to talk with all of you about how to accomplish that for yourselves today. Perfect. Emily, you're awesome. And we're going to put every all three of our panelists LinkedIn links in our show notes so you guys can follow it. Our second guest is Maya. And Maya is like, whenever I have marketing questions, this is who I go to. She is just full of advice. Her book is amazing. Maya, you know, I'm one of your biggest, biggest fans. Maya, welcome. How are you? Well, thank you so much. I am as well excited to be here with this amazing panel of friends. And I'm so excited that I can say friends, right? We all got to meet each other this past year and work together to really help, um, you know, professionals, young professionals, more, more specifically, build those fulfilling careers, get that job, but then also grow um, internally, get promoted and really do something that they care about the most. And that's where I come in, right? I mean, yes, I have a day job. I'm a marketer, but I am so passionate about career development that I just want to help everyone, you know, find that amazing job where you go to work, but you actually enjoy every minute of it. Love it. And our last guest is Austin. And Austin, and I want to let you know, man, that you set the standard for career advice here on LinkedIn. And I love your work and what you do and just the tools that you create. And honestly, thank you so much for what you do because you honestly are just a voice of reasoning out there. Like you are put some genuinely amazing content. You genuinely cared. And uh, thank you so much for being a role model to me and so many other career coaches as well. 
Of course. Thanks so much for having me, Daniel. I mean, it's it's great to be here. Congrats on 200. That's like a crazy amount of, of episodes to have. It takes, you know, a lot of persistence to get there. So I'm honored to be here alongside Emily and Maya as well. I just appreciate you having me. No, thank you. Thank you. So students, uh, be ready. I want to know some questions. So I'm going to start with uh, a question for the group and, and then we're going to open it up. And the question that I have for all of you, and you guys can take turns answering is, if you can go back in college, knowing what you know now, how would you do things differently? That's a good one. Um, so I've actually wrote about this before because for the majority of my career, I really tied my identity and who I am and how meaningful my contribution is to my job. So if I could work, if I had the right title, I felt great. And if something went wrong um, in my, my job, my entire life would crumble. And it's not the best way to live because we're not our jobs. We are a lot more than just a job or a title and what we do. And it took me a while to figure it out. And once I did, this amazing thing happened where my identity and who I was started um, aligning to different things. Like I see myself as a learner. So as long as I can learn and as long as I can continuously grow, then I'm happy and successful, even if I don't have a job, even if I didn't get the promotion. And it just gives you the right motivation and energy to continue doing what you do um, and keep you happy. It wasn't the best mental space to be in so if I could go back, I would just tell my younger self, you are not your job. There's a lot more to you and don't lose that, uh, that faith. Amazing. So the way I would answer that question is to trust myself more. I was falling into the trap that I think so many of us fall into. And honestly, it's not just a college thing. I think it's just a life and being human thing that we compare ourselves to everybody else when we're feeling lost or trying to find our way, we oftentimes look for external cues, like, well, what does the marketplace want? What pays a lot? What does Aunt Sue say I should do? What does my dad tell me about myself? And I knew a lot of really incredible things about myself, even in college, but sometimes I didn't always trust that. And I wish I had trusted it even more. And, and again, this is a message I have to keep reminding myself of, but it's so important that we're in those times of exploration or really any time that we actually start by looking inwards and then move outwards and really trusting who we are, trusting our guts and going with our instincts. Right awesome. on. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the biggest piece of advice for my younger self, especially in college would be to just reach out to one person every single day. Uh, one of my favorite books is now it's sort of like a mainstream cliche these days. It's called the four hour work week by a guy named Tim Ferriss. And he went back to, he went to Princeton. He went back to give a guest lecture. And at the end of the guest lecture, he said to the whole class, uh, here's an assignment for you, like go out and reach out to people and then come back to me. And the person who reaches out to the, the coolest, objectively coolest person gets a reply. I'll pay for your airfare anywhere in the world. So he checked back with the professor a week later and literally not a single person had submitted anything. Like, so if somebody came in and just said, I emailed my mom, like they would have won a free trip around the world. So he, he went back the next year and he 
gave the same talk. He made the same offer, but he told that story and just said, look, nobody reached out. So these students then reached out and the people they got in touch with were crazy. Uh, Eric Schmidt, like the ex-CEO of Google, I think one person even got a response from Taylor Swift. And it was like insane, right? And so I think the moral of the story is that we as college students, one, feel like we don't have a lot to offer. Uh, we also tend to feel insecure about reaching out to people who are uh, above us is the wrong word because nobody's above us, but people who just have more experience or who are more seasoned in the workforce. And that's such a shame because we have so much to learn from networking. And when we look at the data, networking is clearly like the number one way that everybody is landing a job. So the earlier you, you one, get comfortable with stepping outside of your comfort zone and reaching out, out to people, but then two, building relationships with those folks, not only you're gonna, are you going to land jobs, but you're going to be able to do pretty much anything that you want. Like if you want to start a business, if you want to write a book, if you want to do X, Y, or Z things, if you can say, hey, here's a person who's good at that and I feel confident reaching out to them, like that's where all the magic happens. So I just wish I did more of that. And really, it can just be one person a day. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But if you do that, the .edu uh, email address is like magic. Like people always want to help students and that tends to disappear once you graduate. So like take advantage while you can. I think it's interesting because I get network. We are told networking is important. I think that the problem comes down to no one's really sharing, like in, at least in the university standpoint, how to properly build those relationships, how to create genuine, long-lasting relationships. And, and I think one thing you do so amazing, Austin, is that you, system, you create systems around that. So it doesn't feel like it's impossible to build relationships, right? Like as simple as one person a day, right? or 30 a month, right? And I think that's, uh, that's, that's super, super important here. It's about building those relationships and cultivating those relationships. And all you have to be is just be genuinely you, like be authentically you. And some relationships will flourish faster than others because you'll naturally connect with some people more than others. And that's, that's what you want, right? Because you will find people where you have those commonalities that will open those magical doors that you may be reminding them of your, their cousin or their friend or, or their little brother or their younger selves and, and, and ma magical things happen. Um, so questions, does anybody in the audience have questions right now? Go ahead, Oscar. Introduce yourself, don't forget. Oh yeah, I gotta introduce myself. Well, hello mentees, hello Daniel, hello guests. Thank you so much for coming to um, this coaching call. Uh, especially for you, Austin, Maya and Emily. Um, we really appreciate your visit and the time you dedicate to us. Uh, the first question that comes into mind when it comes to uh, career coaching uh, is mainly how students graduate and go through the process of graduating and then getting a job in the field that what they want to do. Because honestly, it feels like a leap of faith. Like you feel like you're blindfolding, walking into the corporate world without knowing anything about it. And it could be really stressful and it's kind of like a gamble to see if you what you're going to do, you like it or not. So um, what would you guys suggest, uh, based on your experiences, you work on this, uh, to overcome this, to kind of like not walk blindly <laughs> into the, into the office and not, and kind of know what to expect a little more. Thank you. Oscar, awesome question. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. You describe that feeling of overwhelm so well. I suggest that you get extremely clear on who you are and where you fit in, which is so hard to do, but it is necessary work because you are your own best advocate. And if you don't understand your strengths and if you don't know the kinds of job roles that are best for you, then nobody else is gonna know. 
And it's really tempting in that transition, really any type of career transition to try to be all things to all people. That's a big um, obstacle or a frustration point that I see a lot of job candidates do is they'll take any job, they'll work anywhere. And it really comes off as unappealing, unattractive to employers and as uncomfortable and maybe counterproductive or counterintuitive as it might feel to get extremely narrow on exactly what you're looking for. That's actually going to serve you the best in your job search and to keep you from sort of like blindly falling into something as you describe it. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you for that, because uh, I actually feel like that same way. Um, I'm actually graduating in information technology uh, very soon. And there's like five or six several fields that I could do. I could do networking or UX or project management or, or there's just so much thing that I could consider. And I'm just trying to like figure out where am I gonna go first? And that's kind of how it's going. Focus, 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 focus. <laughs> Choose one, which again might feel like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm cutting out options, but it's the exact opposite. I'm sure Austin and Maya can speak to that as well because you'll, by narrowing what you're focusing on, you're actually going to expand the opportunities that come to you. Yeah, so Oscar, I, I dealt with this a lot too, because um, like it's funny when we're young, you know, we're asked like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And like, you can say whatever you want, right? And it's all like, "Yeah, you can do whatever you want," you know, if you put your mind to it. But then we get older, and like the scope of acceptable answers narrows. But at the same time, we're not really given the tools to explore what's out there. So like, I worked at Microsoft, uh, and I had no idea you could work at Microsoft without having a, a technical background, without knowing how to code, right? So I had to do a lot of this exploration myself. And the two things that I found most helpful, one, you have those like five fields that you mentioned, right? So go and find some people who are currently working in that specific role and just hit them up and just send them an email. And I'm, I'm gonna paste the template into the, the chat here. Uh, the formatting may be like totally butchered by Zoom. Oh, it actually looks okay. Um, all right, so you can scoop that and um, go find all these people that have those titles, right? Networking, UX, this, that, and the other thing. Send them this email and get, get on the phone with them and just ask them questions, right? And say like, okay, what do you love most about your job? You know, what, what projects brought you the most joy over the last 12 months? What were you most excited to work on? Uh, what do you not like about your job? Like, what do you wish you could change? And then have a couple of those conversations, maybe, you know, the, the more the merrier, you know, if you could have three to five conversations with a person in each of those fields, it's a lot of conversations. Um, they don't all have to be a 30 minute Zoom call. They could be over email, but you're going to get a lot of information. And I think what you're going to find is one, you're going to quickly be able to cross some stuff off your list. Uh, but for the things that you are interested in, where you say like, hmm, maybe this deserves a deeper dive, um, that's the second step of the process. So I call, I call, I have these things that I call 30 day mini pilots. So essentially what you do is for that person, right? Maybe it's UX. You ask them like, if I wanted to dive deeper in UX, what's one resource you recommend or what's one project I can start? And if they, they could give you a course or a book or a project or whatever, and then just set a goal for yourself in 30 days, like in the next 30 days, by the end of on day 30, I'm going to have, you know, reached out to five people and performed, you know, a, a UX survey for this target company of mine. And then 
just dive into learning all about it for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, if you say this sucks, I hate it, then drop it and move on to the next thing. Like give yourself permission to quit. Cause I think we're told like winners never quit. Like winners quit all the time. Like they quit doing stuff that they don't want to do. That's not taking them to a place of purpose and happiness as, as Emily mentioned. And then if you do like it though, like don't be afraid to dive deeper. And I think if you do that, you'll narrow that five field, uh, you know, like, or I guess those five fields down to maybe two, maybe three. And it's going to be a lot easier for you to then pick the one, as Emily mentioned, and really focus in. So that would be, that would be my, my recommendation off the back of Emily's great advice. But Maya, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, or, or if you have a different take, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, focus and the way to focus through this experimentation and specifically talking to people. I cannot emphasize that enough. I, if you look at my marketing career, I tried everything in marketing. I started in PR, moved into digital, did product marketing, and I could have saved a lot of time while I enjoyed these experiences because um, I didn't take the time to ask. I, there was this hype, digital marketing sounded like the most exciting thing in the world. I landed a job in digital marketing without experience, which was a big challenge by itself. And then six months into the role, I hated it. I spent so much time in front of spreadsheets and I like people. So just going through this exercise, whether you're just stepping out of college or even if you're just moving between different jobs is so important. And one more thing that I would add here is just don't be afraid to, to theoretically make a mistake. You can move between different things. It's okay to start something that you think you like and to find out, hey, this is actually not my favorite thing. That has been my experience, right? I always followed my interest and my passion and sometimes it worked out great and sometimes not so much. So just don't be afraid to, to experiment a little bit and try things. But when you decide on one thing to try, and this is where the job search advice comes in, only focus on that. Because if you try to be everything for everyone, you will probably never be the best for any company. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, can't, I can't thank all three of you enough. Thank you. It's it just great advice. Great, great insight. Made me reflect on myself like right now. So thank you. Muted myself, what a rookie mistake. Hey, Ugo, you're next and then Maria, you're after. Okay, thank you so much for coming. And I'm really happy to talk to uh, this amazing panelist. So I have a few questions in terms of like a new college grad. So what would you suggest start doing in order to network the professionals in the field after your Find out yourself how you already graduated as a college. Uh, it seems like I kind of like lost my ground uh, that college offers to the college students. Because if you introduce yourself as a college student or if you connect as a college student and like a networking event, it's much easier. But now when I, I was not aware of the significance of that event, but I just like, lost the, uh, I just later realized the significance of that networking event. So, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate. So 
I uh, am originally from Israel and I moved to the US three years ago and I had no network whatsoever. I spent more than a decade building a network in a different country and then had to come here and build everything from the ground up. Um, and it's really about finding ways to be authentic and to add value to the people you reach out to. And I've also throughout the years developed this process where I don't necessarily start with the people who are like the most senior, the most influential, because they get a lot of requests and it's sometimes hard to get their attention. So I try to focus on people who are maybe a couple of years ahead of me professionally and I can learn from them or maybe they're doing the job that I want to do next. And at the end of the day, it is also a numbers game. You can't expect everyone to get back to you. So sometimes you need to send out 20 messages to get to conversations. And that's perfectly fine. And that's what I, what I did originally. I wanted to talk to more product marketers. So I reached out to probably about 50 of them in every company you can imagine and ended up having conversations with about 10. But every conversation was also a referral. So they wanted, told me I can speak to someone else. And when they referred me, I got that conversation. So it's never, I don't think it's ever too late to start. And one tip on how to add value, because I know that's always a challenge, like who am I? What can I bring to the conversation? I'm just getting started. You don't actually have to be an expert. There are small things that you can do. One thing that has almost always worked for me, and this is actually how I got to meet Austin, I go and look at people's websites or their LinkedIn profiles. And I try to find something that's broken, like a broken link or a spelling mistake or anything that requires um, their attention. And I just bring it up to their attention and say, hey, I was looking at your website. You know, uh, you have incredible content, but I'm afraid this button is actually not working. So you might want to take a look at that so people don't miss out in getting to your content. And 95% of the time I get a reply because I'm actually doing something nice for, for them. And it starts a conversation, but that's, that's probably how I would uh, think about it. I think it's interesting, especially if that person is like, um, like if they're an influencer, they have a personal brand online. Like if, if anybody would have read your book and left you in like the most two paragraph, three paragraph review on Amazon, like um same thing austin recently launched this podcast it seems recently but it's like like it's been like four months now but um if you would have been one of the first people to i mean as i'm to leave a comment on itunes right or leave a review on itunes like um i'm telling you from i guess i never valued that until i became an author and i became a podcaster like how much you value that and even when i speak to people who might have thousands of reviews on their book if you're an author you read every single review every single review um and that's an easy way to add value so yeah this is this is right up right up my wheelhouse so i um you know for, for people who don't know i guess i didn't didn't do a great job of introing myself but when i was a student i i, I had a bio degree and i had a basically a 258 gpa so like c minus grades and i didn't start figuring any of this out until like 
three to six months after I graduated. So I was a new grad. I didn't have a network. I had horrible grades and I still had to go connect with these people. So very similar boat. Um, what I would say is my, Maya made a great point of setting expectations. So first and foremost, it's definitely a numbers game. So you can expect when you first start reaching out to people, like 10 to 15% is probably going to be your response rate. If you really invest and get good, you can bump it up to like 20 or 30, but just have that in mind and just realize that just because somebody doesn't get back to you or doesn't reply to you, that's not like a personal attack on you or like something that's flawed with you. That's just life. And that's just how, how the game goes. So that's the first thing to understand. But one of the things I see from a lot, like, it's awesome if, if the person you're reaching out to has a book or a podcast or a website, like that's awesome. But what I found a lot of times is that the professionals we want to connect with, they don't have those things necessarily. They're just like a, a nine to five professional on LinkedIn, right? So how do we get in touch with those people, especially as a student or a recent grad where like, for me, at least I, I didn't know what value I had. So something I figured out that worked really well um, was like, I don't, I, I think we've all seen like some sort of like sports movie where there's the team and they're like ragtag, you know, it could be like Rocky or it could be Miracle or whatever. And then of course they go through the montage, right? They find the coach, they go through the montage and then they like kick butt and like win the thing. So why do we love those movies? Like, why do they keep getting made? It's because we all want to feel like part of a success story, right? And so what you have uniquely positioned for yourself as a student or as a new grad is like you're primed to be somebody's success story. So what you can do is go to these people. And I love Maya's advice of picking people who are not like the CEO of whatever, but maybe somebody who's a couple notches or a couple years ahead of you and going to them and positioning them like an expert. So I call this the advice triangle. And it basically it's a three-step process. So you send a message to this person and you say, you know, hey, I was looking for people who are doing interesting things in X space. You know, if I was emailing Maya, I might say, I was looking for people who have really awesome experience in the marketing field. And then you basically give them two options. You say, I'm looking to make myself a more compelling candidate or, or a better marketer. Would you rec recommend that I do A or B? And then you give them like a book or a course or a cert certification or whatever it is, or a project. And you send that to the person. So a couple of things are happening here. One, when you send that A or B ask, it, the other person can answer in like 10 seconds, 20 seconds. It's super easy for them to answer versus a lot of times I see these like multi-paragraph emails that, you know, it takes you two minutes or three minutes just to read the whole thing. So it makes it really easy for them to answer. But then when they answer it, you go to step two, which is you go take action on that advice and then you get results. And then step three is you report back to them and you say, hey, I really love the advice you gave me so much so that I went and took action on it. Here's what I got out of it. What's next? And so now we've gotten in this cycle of ask for advice, take action on it, and then report back and ask for more advice. And what you're doing now is you're basically showing the person who's sharing advice. You're saying, hey, I'm worth investing in. I'm willing to listen to you. I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and take action. And that's going to be valued by the other person because we all want to be viewed as mentors, as teachers, right? So that's the value you're offering is that you are going to basically be a success story that this person is responsible for. And everybody, no matter who you are, feels good about that setup. So no matter what situation you're in, what role you're going for, what industry you're in, what value you have, what internships you've been in, anybody can apply this formula and it works really, really well. So that's what I would think about is how can you position this person as an expert and how can you get them to give you an actionable piece of advice that you can go execute and then follow back up with them on.
It's really hard to add value here because Maya and Austin always have incredible ideas. And Austin, I was taking notes as you were talking. That's such a brilliant strategy. Good for anybody. So there's just a couple of things I would add. And what came to mind was one of my mentors is Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. And he is one of the most successful business coaches in the world. And one of the stories that he told was many, many years ago, he had a prospective client who was actually pretty skeptical about working with him. So he booked a call to speak with Dan and ask a bunch of questions about the program. And Dan asked him one question, and it was about that individual. So it was all about um, him sharing his vision for his future. And he said the gentleman talked for, I think, 30 minutes straight. But what was most important from this story is at the end of that 30 minutes when their time was up and they needed to part ways, the prospective client said, wow, that was the most meaningful conversation I've ever had. And Dan tells that story because from his perspective, it wasn't a conversation at all. <laughs> you know, Dan asked a question and he basically went off on a monologue about himself. That has always been so freeing to me when I think about networking, particularly if you are trying to network for the end goal of getting a job. Because oftentimes what I think we feel we need to do is come with a lot to say. You know, I have to sell myself, I have to tell them, here are my strengths, here's where I fit in, here's what I want, how can you help me? I need to prove myself, I need to prove how much I know. And people always find value in talking about themselves. And that took so much pressure off of me and still is the case that really all you have to do is ask a couple of very good questions about them and be genuinely interested in them and their story. And they will in turn see value in you. So if you go into these conversations and be really clear in setting it up as Maya and Austin have talked about be clear about your expectations in terms of, hey, can I pick your brain over a 20 minute virtual chat and make sure you stick to those expectations. Just have two to three really good questions. Austin gave us some, what brings you joy? What would you have done if you were in my shoes? Maybe Daniel's questions, what would you have done differently in college? And honestly, you know, you've got 20 minutes worth of great insight, but that person is gonna think, wow, this person took interest in me. How can I reciprocate and give them value back? Yeah, amazing. I think we, we always think that like people are too busy and they don't want to help. And the reality is that people generally, most people are good and most people do want to help. The problem is that they don't know, they don't want to waste their time. And what happens is that they get so many people messaging them. It's hard for them to figure out who's who's not going to be a waste of time? Like if I give them advice that they're actually going to execute it. And so you essentially like Austin's strategy is genius because you're essentially pa uh, passing the test that they didn't even know they gave you. Right. And so I think it's the same thing when I used to, I, I've asked this before and I said, if a high schooler came to you and says, Hey, I want to go to your school. Can I get 15 minutes of your time? Most of you will say yes. Right now. Why wouldn't somebody help you in the future? Do you change in those six years in college? Now that you graduate with a job, you became a jerk? No, like you're still the same person. You still want to help. You just might not have the same amount of time that you do as a college student. And so I think by proving, by little pieces, proving that you're not going to waste their time, that you're actually going to execute that advice, that you're there to listen, people will go out of their way to even help you further.
Yeah. Maria, you were next. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on the 200th episode. And thanks to all the panelists. This is really um, inspiring and motivating. Uh, I had two questions. So one is for Maya. Uh, I just love to learn, um, you know, what's your favorite part about working at Jumpstart and why did you choose that company? And then for the rest of you, I wanted to know how you met Daniel. <laughs> well, amazing. Thank you for that question. I can actually start with how I met Daniel, uh, because it actually uh, is a great reflection of everything we spoke about so far. I decided about a year and a half ago to start writing a book, but I didn't really know how to do it. So I was looking for other people in this area who wrote a book. And I basically reached out and said, hey, you're an expert. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your knowledge? And he did. And I actually used a lot of the advice that Daniel shared. He told me to read a book. I read that book. I circled back. I asked questions. So I followed Austin's advice without even um, knowing I was doing it. And that's kind of how we initially connected. Um, and thank you for that. That has made a huge difference. Um, as far as jumpstart. So for the first time in my life, when I, when I, kind of took a little bit of time to, to write the book, I realized, you know what? There are so many different things I enjoy doing that are not actually my work work. And career development became a big part of what I enjoy doing. And I kept asking myself, is there a way that I can take both of my passions, marketing and career development, and really turn that into the one thing that I do and the way to do it for me was to look for a company who's in the HR or HR tech industry. And I actually had a list and I reached out to people and things uh, didn't really happen because of COVID, it was really slow. But then uh, because I was writing content on LinkedIn, uh, Jumpstart CEO Ben actually reached out to me and said, hey, I really like what you're doing. Can we have a conversation? And it was almost like a no brainer. It was just perfect because working for a company who wants to make the world better by making sure that we hire more diverse teams and we make sure that the face of America actually represents the face of America. I, it just, I, I have goosebumps just talking about it. It was just obvious when your mission and your vocation aligns with what you do for a living, it's pure joy um, and the people I met were all incredible. So it was a very easy decision for me. Um, and I'm really excited because we have a lot of stuff coming up uh, this May, so stay tuned. Uh, there's a lot that's happening. Awesome, Emily. Yeah, I, I'll, Emily, I think we I think we have like the prime example of somebody who found their purpose right there. I think that that was literally like the testimonial in, in a nutshell. I love it. I would um, say so. Yeah, it's so <laughs> inspiring to hear Maya talk about it. Exactly. Uh, Daniel, we met through LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn. I think that, yeah, I mean, basically we executed and, and this whole like all four of us here. So Daniel, you and I met because I think um, you just added like so much value to my, my posts in the comments. And then we ended up, I think you messaged me. And of course, you know, I, I'm like, oh yeah, there's Daniel who I see every day adding like so much value. So we started chatting 
And then we hopped on the podcast together and, you know, we've been going back and forth ever since. And we were chatting about like the community app and all that. So we just kind of trade ideas. And then you introduced Emily and I, um, which is how Emily and I got connected. And then Maya, you and I got connected in a similar fashion. And I remember like, Daniel, you mentioned this about the book, but like when Maya's book came out, I tried to be like as early of a review as I possibly could be. So like all the stuff we're talking about isn't just like, you know, pie in the sky stuff. Like this is stuff that at least for me, like is happening like on a regular basis. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my side of it, but yeah. Maria just chatted that it's all real. And that's so true. We absolutely practice what we preach around here. I reached out to Daniel totally out of the blue a couple, maybe two years ago. And just said, hey, I think there's a lot of alignment between what we're doing and our passions. And it went into a call. I actually remember I was in my car and I remember burning up because I had my car turned off and the AC was off and I was just sitting in a parking lot. And I didn't expect my call with Daniel to go as long as it did because I, I didn't know if there'd be much there. I hoped that there would be, but I think we ended up totally blowing past our appointment time and just talked for what seemed like forever in a good way. And he introduced me to Austin as Austin just shared. And Maya was just somebody I reached out to on LinkedIn as well. And she was kind enough to take a, a, a meeting, a Zoom chat. I remember she was asking me, you know, what, what is it exactly you think that I can best support you with? And I said, you know, I'm really not sure, but I just think there would be value in us connecting. And honestly, I've had so many people honor that when I ask and say, you know, I don't really have anything in mind. I just think there's a lot of connection and synergy between what we do and what we're passionate about. And I've never really had somebody come back to me and say, no way, you know, and LinkedIn's a great platform. People that are on there are motivated to connect, I would say. So more than anything, just don't be afraid to reach out because my goodness, that's, that's how we got on the all-star panel. Yeah. I think it's interesting how I've never met any of them in person, but I feel like I know them so well. I remember Maya writing a LinkedIn post about this in like the beginning of the year. It was either for like the end of the year or the beginning of the year. But uh, you had just talked about how like you've built, like I, I felt, I, re I read your post when you talked about how you've met some really amazing people on LinkedIn that you, you feel like they're really real life friends that you know them probably better than some people that you actually met in person. Uh, that you know in person and I, and I can tell you that it, everything that we're talking about it's really real um and it's genuinely just trying to be like add value like I always want to like I've like Austin and I do very similar things right like he has a, a consulting business similar to mine but I didn't I want to add value to as much as I can on Austin when he launches podcast I think I even said anything I could do to help you please let me know I reviewed his I, I gave him a review same thing uh, I know that I was I felt really involved right because because uh, I had given my advice about the book so I felt really involved like it's not my book but I was involved like she had sent me a, a copy, but I still bought one because I want to support her now that she needed my $10 of royalties. But it's the fact that um, I can leave a more genuine review because Amazon says he bought the book. And so I knew that was worth that $15 book that I can give my eyes. So it's one of those things that like you're always trying to add uh, value to each other. And same thing, like Emily and, Emily and I are just like, we, t we like sharing best practices, like um, my business coach was because Emily referred me to him. Right. And so like, it's just like always, it's about building friendships. It's about adding value. Um, how can you help them? 
and not too concerned about how like how they can help me back I, i'm sure it'll come out some way somehow like um i didn't ask for anything from maya for like probably like a year and a half like it was probably like recently three months ago like i it, her book had already become number one everything and i go like hey maya i need some advice on marketing like it wasn't like i left the review and then the next day i'm like hey maya do you remember how i helped you can you help me like it doesn't work that way right like i it's just about genuinely wanting to help her without any expectations anything back but i know that if i need, was stuck about some marketing that i can reach out to her and I can just ask her for 10 minutes of her time, right? And so I think it's about trying to build those relationships. And I know that when you're looking for a job, it might feel forced because you're trying to get a job. My, my thing is, it should, that relationship does not end when you get the referral. It probably should just start when you get the referral, right? And I think that's like, to me, it's about building long-term relationships and not just those short terms too. Like if you get rejected from a job, that's where you should start the relationship with the recruiter. Um, stay in contact with them, stay in contact with the decision maker, with the coworkers, like, like those fine. Hey, I understand, you know, I didn't get the job. What advice do you have so I can be the ideal candidate next time? Let's stay in touch. Right. Um, so awesome. Uh, Sudarshan, how are you, man? You have, I love your question. So I'm looking forward to hearing this one. Yeah. Hi. Uh, congrats for your 200 episode, Daniel. It's a big thing. And then thank you so much, panelists, for being here and sharing some valuable advice. And it's really enlightening. Um, so to introduce myself, I am Sudarshan, and I am a master's degree student majoring in computer science. I'm graduating very soon this May. And I came to United States like 1.5 years before, and I really had no friends or family here. I just, I was just alone. I was super lonely when I came here because I took this as big risk to act, to literally move outside of my comfort zone. Um, and it's been going great. And networking was one of the things that I had to do because I need to make connections. So I had a question for Maya, like when you told you also uh, kind of, uh, moved to United States three years before and you didn't and know a lot of people. So do you, were you in a situation where you wanted to desperately make a connection with somebody or somebody from that, from an organization, but they just wouldn't connect with you back? If as like, how did you end up meeting them? Yeah, of course people say no, or they just ignore you, to be honest. Most people don't say no um and yeah like i said it's more of a numbers game so i had a target list uh which is one of the things that austin talks about i wanted to focus on specific companies where i thought you know i'll have a great match between what i love doing and what they were actually selling and yeah i probably heard back from 10 or 20 percent of them and sometimes you know you can try different people uh, so if you didn't work with, let's say, the head of product marketing, then for me, that was the target, then you can speak maybe to a different person in the organization. I know that sometimes just speaking to team members can actually get you in the door even faster. Um, I've, I've tried different things. So I've seriously spoke to different types of people. And if it didn't work, so, you know, I would move on. This is why I had a target list of, you know, 50 companies and not five so that I can continuously work my way through it. And I started from, you know, from the top, what I wanted the most, uh, but yeah, everyone hears no. I mean, I really started with no connections here um, and I just was super authentic and real about it. And I said, hey, I actually started before I moved and I said, hey, I'm moving, you know, to the US. 
uh, in a couple of months and I'm going to be new in Silicon Valley. I know I want to work for this type of company like you are working for. It would mean the world if we can spend 30 minutes together so I can learn a little bit more. And that was that. And again, not everyone, but some people were kind enough and, and opened the door. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, because I, 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 do, I don't have a lot of companies on my list that are on top 10 or 15. But yeah, I, I was going through that uh, uh, the phase where, you know, like literally nobody from my top organization want to get back to me. So, but yeah, it's hard to move on, but it's kind of a great company. So but yeah, I just want to get your opinion on it. Thank you. Yeah. Not a problem. And after you build that net network, you'll be surprised. They'll come back to you. Um, so if you just continue, you know, building those relationships, maybe find different ways to add value. You know, like uh, Austin mentioned before, maybe you can just go and uh, comment on their company page. I actually spoke uh, pretty recently to uh, Miri Rodriguez, who leads the internships at Microsoft. And one of the things she told me is, you know what we like? We like when people go to our LinkedIn page and tell us why they like Microsoft. We actually pay attention to that and we actually go and find those people. So you just need to find different ways. And if it didn't work through a direct message, then maybe go read their content and leave, leave a comment or interact on their company page. Uh, and at some point, it's okay to say it didn't work, right? I tried five people, send five emails. You, you don't want to, um, you know, disturb people too much. Maybe it's not the right fit right now. And you can circle back after a couple of weeks and try something different. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your advice. I think that just to piggyback on that, Maya, I think that LinkedIn recruiter uh, shows you uh, or shows the recruiters who's interacted with their company page. So they recently added like a little field for that. So it's great advice because they can instantly see like, here are three candidates who are similar, but this person has been engaging like every day, every week, like let's prioritize them because they seem like they're the most interested. So that's, I mean, that's fantastic advice. I just wanted to, uh, I don't know if that's like universal knowledge. So I was going to throw it out there. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just think we can always try to beat the algorithm and everything like that. But as long as you're adding value, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna find a way to get noticed, right? And so you add, you going on the Microsoft page and adding value, right? You're gonna get noticed, right? So um, I think that's awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll have a last question, then we'll wrap it up. Um, Leonardo. Hi guys, uh, my name is Leonardo. Uh, you guys can call me Leo. Um, so I'm a recent uh, graduate from UNLV. I graduated this past December. And uh, something, the question I want to ask is, I've, I've always been the type to go on LinkedIn to engage with posts, but not necessarily post my own. And something that I'm really worried about for myself is building a personal brand on LinkedIn, especially now that I've graduated. So what would be, as someone who's, who's only engaged with LinkedIn, only looks at other people's posts, uh, what would you say is the first step towards uh, establishing your own personal brand? Leo, great question. And again, so many people feel the way that you do and it can be intimidating to put yourself out there and start writing posts. What I actually think is the best place to start is in your own profile. And what people don't realize is when you're out there posting, it says, or commenting rather, it, it gives your name, but it also gives the first several lines of your bio line. So make that really powerful. Make it something that people notice and that it sets you apart. I know Austin does this. This is something I do, Daniel does. I'm sure Maya does something similar. 
I call it a personal UVP statement or unique value proposition. So most of the time companies create UVP statements, but people don't think about creating them for themselves. But the framework for that is start a sentence with I help and then brainstorm who get really clear clear and as we talked about narrowly focused on who you help what companies you want to work for what kinds of people you help where do you make your biggest impact then what result do you get for them and lastly how do you get to that result uniquely i call this your secret sauce and austin yours you have such a compelling compelling uvp statement that i always remember it and it's that you help people land their dream job without applying online. And mine is I help professionals create fulfilling careers by owning their strengths and finding their fit. So if you look on LinkedIn, you'll see that formula is out there a lot. That is so much stronger and immediately sets the tone for your personal brand than giving your job title, for example, or maybe some accolades that you have that are important but what's so powerful about the UVP is again, everybody's gonna see it. Every time you comment, they're gonna see that UVP statement. And it's also in the terms of the other person and the value you provide. We've talked so much in this conversation about value and the results you get. And I've had people come to me and say, I wanted to connect with you just because I saw your bio line and found that really interesting and I wanna learn more. So that one simple adjustment think on that one sentence put that in your in your profile as the first thing in your bio line and already you are gosh at least 50 percent of the way on the on personal branding um i have a question wait yes natalie before your question <laughs> big big round of applause to natalie she just got a job offer from microsoft Woo! Super Thank you. Congrats, Natalie. Thank you. Um, so my name is Natalie and I'm a senior in Michigan State University, uh, majoring in psychology and minoring in leadership of organizations. Um, and my question is around negotiations, uh, just like perceptions, right? Is there like any, any like negative um, perceptions and different types of negotiations or any positive negotiate like will, will a company look down on you if you negotiate a certain amount of money you know what I mean like um could you shed a little more light on that because like as as um incoming graduate um in like fresh graduates we kind of like maybe you know fear a little bit when it comes to that kind of thing so um please share a little bit of insight on that Natalie, have you had a conversation about salary yet with the person, you know, the recruiter or the hiring team? Um, I will. I'm about to. Okay. So where you haven't had any conversation about it yet? No. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's a framework that works pretty well for negotiation. Um, and, you know, in the sake of time, we'll do it in a nutshell. But essentially, uh, your goal is to uh, understand, you want to try to understand where they're at numbers wise. And then you also will need to have a compelling case for your own value, right? So just because you are, you know, you have the number of years of experience that you have, uh, it doesn't mean that you're, you, you, 
don't deserve, you know, a couple extra thousand dollars or a signing bonus or more PTO or whatever it is. So basically what I would do is first get, go out there and do your research. You can hit up like Glassdoor or Payscale. There's a great site called h1bdata.info where every time a company sponsors a visa, they, they have to share the salary. So you can basically type in your role and look up similar companies and you can see actual like legit salaries that have been paid to people for the exact role that you're applying for. What you want to do is come up with a range. Uh, essentially, you want to understand what the average is. You want to understand what the top of the range is and you want to come like halfway there. So 75% to 80% between um, or the midway point between the average and the top. And then basically you have the conversation, right? So the first thing that they're going to do is ask you what your expectations are. And the, this is sort of a trap that a lot of people fall into where they just blurt out a number. But the problem is, you know, if they, let's say that, uh, you know, the, in their head, they're going to pay $100,000 for this role. Well, if you come and you say, I, I want, I'm, I'm expecting 60, they'll say, awesome, sounds good. We'll send you through. They, they would have paid you 100, but you were cool with 60. So they can give you 65 and basically get a $35,000 discount on you. Um, or, you know, if you say 130, now you're 30 K over and you basically have eliminated yourself early on. Right. So we want to avoid that. And we, we want to try to not give a number first if we don't have to. So the first thing that I say, when they ask me about salary expectations, I always say, um, I'm flexible on salary. My biggest priority is, is finding the best fit. Now, if you already got the offer, we may be past that conversation, um, I, I, I think. So then what you might say is, uh, or the next step would basically be to ask them, you know, hey, what do you have budgeted for this role? And a lot of good recruiters will share the budget that they have for the role because they have it available and they know it's a more direct path to getting to a realistic number rather than playing the back and forth game. Some recruiters won't. Um, in which case you have to share your number and that's going to be that range that that midpoint between average and, and top that we said, but I would stress and I would say, you know, I'm being so the, the specific language that I would use is I'm being considered for roles in this range and then you give that middle middle of the road number uh, and then you say but my number one priority is finding the best fit or being on the best team. And so essentially my goal here is to, I'm not do or die by the salary. That's basically what you're getting at. And then you want to have a list of stuff that you can fall back on. So if they say, Ooh, you know, that's we can, best we can do is X, then you can fall back and say, okay, is there any way that we can then restructure some of this in my bonus or in equity or more PTO, or is there a continuing education budget? So on top of just having that number uh, in your head, I would also have some basically backup plans for things that you can fall back on. If, if and when the salary negotiation piece hits a wall, then you can fall back on some of those other things. So that's like a loose script. I have a, a, a link to an article I can send um, and I'll leave that up to Daniel. Maybe I'll send it to him later and he can choose to share it or not. I don't want to like promote my own stuff here. No, no, for um, sure. But it. that's the, the script yeah. that I would do. That's awesome. Well, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. So... First of all, uh, congrats again, Natalie. That's awesome. Um, definitely, I'll get you that link. Uh, we want to make sure that you have the, all the resources that you need to be successful. Uh, thank you all for coming. Our guests, Maya, Austin, and Emily. Let's everybody give them a round of applause. They're awesome. I will be sharing uh, their uh, LinkedIn profile on the Slack, but I also when we the, this episode is actually going out tomorrow and in the show notes, um, they will actually uh, put their LinkedIn profile so you guys can connect with them. Uh, thank you all so much for coming and catch you guys on the next episode. And if you're listening to this, if you have any questions, feel free to text me at 
4-0. Let, it, let me know what has been your favorite episode out of all 200 episodes. Let us know which one was your favorite episode. Again, text me 321-221-5240. Awesome. Thank you guys and catch you guys on the next episode. You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.